and they're boring and we don't we don't care. Sorry, Mr. Schuster stands. Do those exist? Matthew Morrison listening to this podcast. You're listening to Glee on the Rocks. Uh, hello, welcome to another episode of Glee on the Rocks. I am Emily. I'm Mandy. And I'm B. And this is season three, episode 17, Dance with Somebody. Uh, the quick recap is the Glee Club pays uh, homage to a true icon when they cover Whitney Houston's greatest hits. Emma and Will are one step closer to their dream wedding. Because that's what's important <laughs> that's about this not episode. True at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's objectively not true (laughs) that is the netflix recap and i loved it so much that i had to put it in here um (laughs) it's not what anyone cares about in this episode and it's not true yeah their their recaps are truly horrible wow yep sometimes they're just one sentence that's like the glee club performs songs like yes (laughs) yes they do (laughs) thank you couldn't have guessed. Um, couldn't have guessed. Um, so yes, this is the second tribute episode in a row, and it is all about Whitney Houston. I love how this episode opens up. Yes. My yeah. favorite like, opening of probably any episode. I Yeah, I forgot that I genuinely, after the last episode, I forgot that I genuinely enjoyed this episode. <laughs> For reasons besides just claim. Um, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it was just a good opening. It's a great opening. It's another, it's also the second episode in a row that opens with a song, just cuts Mm. right to it. So, I mean, I remember when this happened, people were like, okay, what? Too many tribute episodes. What are you doing? Obviously, they put this one in because Whitney Houston had passed and they wanted to capitalize on that, but that's really hard to like hate on them for that. And also, her music is fabulous. So on one hand, you're like, oh, come on, tribute episodes. And on the other hand, you're like, oh, but the song is so fucking good. Okay, but I would argue that this is a way better tribute episode than Saturday Night Glee. Oh, it's so much better. Definitely. Because there's no light up dance floor or like Mm -hmm. suit to win. Like, and I think Whitney has a lot um, more wide spanning catalog than the soundtrack of Saturday Night Fever. (laughs) Yes, they did miss out on like, how will I glee? Uh, I want to glee with somebody <laughs> so glee emotional. Like, they, they really missed out on the titles for this one, I thought. Oh, it's true. I mean, glee writers, did you even try? They I have it. glee thing. I don't know. <laughs> write all those down. We'll, we'll, we'll write a strongly worded email. A strongly worded email to Gleon Fox letting them know that this podcast exists for copyright infringement purposes. Oh, we'll get a cease and desist so fast. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I totally agree with Mandy. Like, how will I know the opening is such a great opening? How will I know if he really loves me? I say a prayer with every heartbeat. I fall in love whenever we meet. I'm asking you cause you know about these things. How will I know if he's thinking of me? 
The power of Mercedes, Santana, Kurt, and Rachel singing is amazing. Mm -hmm. And they never sing together again, as far as I remember. I know. And they're singing a cappella, and it's just beautiful. It is one of the few, actually, a cappella songs for for even, like, the warblers. Right. (laughs) Who are so often backed by music for being an a cappella group. And I think the acapella is actually a lot of why I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, just jumping into the episode just with like those voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially Mercedes just leading it off. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's nice. I did have a question about this though. Like, okay, they're singing in the hallway in front of the Whitney tribute locker. And then they, they walk to the library, sit in the library for some reason. Then they go to the, auditorium and then they're on stage like in evening gowns and the tux and you know so clearly this is all a fantasy sequence right yes do you guys think it's a fantasy sequence i have no (laughs) concept it seems like half fantasy half real yeah like i don't know are they all just sitting in the library daydreaming and suddenly like we cut to the daydream yeah it doesn't really make sense because, but, well, like, Mr. Schuster is, like, looking at them knowingly while they're in the hallway at the shrine. And I'm like, so, so, I I think Glee does yeah. a weird job sometimes of, like, the, is this a um, fantasy sequence or are they really singing this? Yes. And this was one of those instances where you're like, they change costumes three times in the yeah. song. <laughs> so what... Are they walking? Does someone like duck into the bathroom and change their clothes and come back? I'll say that's actually sort of a theme throughout this episode, though, because yeah. a lot of the other songs randomly cut. Like, you know, they're being sung in like the Glee classroom, but suddenly it cuts to, you know, Darren with the entire Glee club backing him or yes. like Brittany <laughs> and Santana in the like silver dresses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of mixture, like real and clearly not actually happening the the britannia one's the weirdest though because they're in the choir room with everyone there but then they're on the stage in the auditorium also with everyone there so i'm like was there like a quick change or something i don't know (laughs) halfway through the song they're like all right and we need to all get up and go through the hall to the auditorium (laughs) right yeah very musical theater very broadway to just be like and we're in the middle of a dance number Yep. And then you go back to you're just like in the middle of a scene. Very like, and I guess because it is a tribute episode, even though there is some plot happening, although it's very emotional plot, that it's like, fine, just do it. Would go, you say go. it's so emotional? It, <laughs> I would say it is so emotional. <laughs> it's, honestly, all I could think of watching this episode was tan hands. <laughs> tan hands. And we'll get there, but really, I it wasn't until the episode started that I remembered that this is that episode, mm-hmm. um, and then it all came floating back to me, um, and I got the really trauma. excited. The trauma. <laughs> I got really excited, and then the anger of, uh, what, 10, 9 years ago came back as well, um, mm-hmm. so we can, mm-hmm. we can discuss that as well. Um, this this episode is going to be like Emily's therapy journey with Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I understood their conflict way more now watching the episode. Did you? 
I do. I do. I really do. Did I'll you talk about it when we get there? But I, I do. I really was like, oh, I, I get it now. It, it's still they're teenagers, and I feel like I've been able to appreciate that more in the rewatch of being like, okay, they did a bunch of stupid shit, mm-hmm. but they did not do what a teenager would do in that scenario. So. I think a lot of my anger was redirected towards the fandom response in retrospect Mm -hmm. of just thinking like, you guys were mad at Blaine for this. Really? Right. And then really over this to come. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I I still have anger that I think maybe I've been holding on to for 10 years. Um, But you know what, Emily, the claim, the Kurt Stan versus the Blaine Stan is like a tale as old as time. Like (laughs) (laughs) it is, it will never stop. It's like that fucking hilarious because they're together mm-hmm. yeah it's not yeah. like rival characters it's not like a nope. rachel stand versus a santana stand it's like no people are crazy a married couple <laughs> are people who hate each other like i can't uh i love it i hate it and i also love it um and not all not all kurt stands are clean shippers not all blaine stands are blaine shippers some people I aren't still don't all understand how those weird. people existed i don't like, know how don't. how yeah. do you watch the shit yeah yeah, we got to get one of those on. We got to get someone plane shipping stand. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We got to find them. If you're somehow. out there, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if anyone is listening to this podcast that fits into that category, they clearly have the patience to deal with us. So, please come on. Yes. Yep. Um. Knowing that I think most of our episode is going to be about Clayne, we should probably touch on the other things that happened in this episode before we just go balls out on Clayne. I would love to yell about Mr. Shu. So if you want to start Great. there, the worst. Yes. Um, I hated him so much in this episode. <laughs> like more you than the usual hate. That he wants to force his OCD fiance into moving their wedding up nine months. And then is mad when that's not going to work out. And refuses to communicate with her about it in a reasonable manner. Maybe that's the theme Mm -hmm. of this episode. Unreasonable communication. (laughs) Because. Yes. Oh my God. It is the fanfic miscommunication trope, but in the way that everyone hates. Yes. Yes. It's. Yeah. It's the fic that you're like, oh, come on. (laughs) I know what you're doing, writers. So Chu is like. Oh, I hired this wedding planner for us, who, by the way, is played by a Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is so I funny. know. So it is funny. funny. Did not expect for it to see him. That was so funny. Um, Because he wants to move the wedding up to May. And, of course, everybody watching the show is like, oh, he is also scared about the kids graduating, even though he just spent a whole week, like, helping them come to terms with graduating and moving on. Okay. And then he continues to belittle Emma, not listen to her opinions, mm-hmm. not listen to her feedback. He finally suggests that they have their wedding at a campground because there's no other venue available, which, by mm-hmm. the way, I booked my wedding venue out 18 months in advance. So, like, definitely three months before you're not finding shit. No. Um, so a campground and and she's so nice and patient with him and is just like, no. Mm hmm. And when she finally says what he's been not wanting to say, which is the Glee kids will come back for your wedding. You don't need to get married before they graduate. And he yells at her. He's like, what if they do? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, 
sir, you have the emotional maturity of a toddler. What if they don't, Will? They're fucking teenagers. They're your students. Yeah. They're not your wedding party. And you probably shouldn't be that attached. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a teacher, you know, having an interest in his students, like investment in their future, but it's okay. If they don't yeah. come back to your wedding. They'll literally if you were, be more glee kids. Yes. That yeah, was really, driving me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's really, really not giving a shit about any of his future students. No. Yeah. He, I was thinking about that immediately was like, so what about the rest of your students? Are, do you think these yeah. are going to be your only glee club members? This is the end of the glee club? No, and that that would have flown like in season one where Figgins was like, if you don't win nationals, Glee Club is dissolved. But like that's mm -hmm. not even on the table here. He's just mm -mm. sad about things changing. And it's like you're a teacher. Your your students literally change every year. They graduate every year. Like, how is this new information to you? Yeah. And also, does he have like no students in his normal classes that he has any <laughs> attachment to? What does he teach now? History? Guess not. <laughs> Apparently his, Span not. his Spanish students are like, God, we hate this guy. <laughs> or they're really mad that they're not invited to the wedding. They're not mad because they get to look at David Martinez every day. That's oh, fair. True. <laughs> That's real fair. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> yes. It was a manufactured argument to fit into the theme of the episode that things are changing and it's really scary. Right. Like, well, yes, things do change and it can be kind of scary but only if you react to it like this also, your wife's a fucking guidance counselor it should be scary for the students about to start their like new eventually to be adult lives mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that scary for the teacher yeah the, the teacher whose job it is to let his students go yeah and yeah. also, like we just said, who will immediately have more students. Yeah. And he's the one acting so high and mighty when he introduces Whitney Week to them of like, I know that you guys, which Emma said this, by the way, not him. He takes credit mm -hmm. for her like understanding them and is like, I know you guys are having a hard time letting go. And then immediately turns around and does the same damn thing. Yeah. Who's yep. the adult here? uh emma. only emma <laughs> exactly. only emma yeah i'm surprised there wasn't a storyline or a plot line where mr schuster was purposefully failing the glee club members so they couldn't leave oh my God. and had That's to redo a year yep drop some more pot in finn's locker maybe <laughs> yep, I was about yeah. to say. that's yeah. only one step away from planting pot in a locker yep mm -hmm. he's just failing them so like oh i guess you'll have to that's why junior blaine exists he knocked him down a year to keep him. <laughs> I see what's happening here. I follow. Um, well, it, he does have a funny line, which yes. is... A couple things. At the reception, I will be rapping. That was my favorite one. <laughs> it was a great meta line, and um, it, doesn't, it doesn't fix the problem, but it was funny. Mm -hmm. Um... And somehow Emma still agrees to marry this man. I don't understand. Oh, she doesn't. <laughs> well, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> we all at, understand why. Yeah. At this stage, at this moment, they're one step closer than Netflix, uh, Netflix told us so. 
<laughs> so not yes. Yeah, I'm just so <laughs> mad. I was. So, I just there's one particular conversation they have where he just like he won't let her talk. He literally just like kisses her until she agrees with him. Oh, I hate that. I know. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. I know. I hate giving uh, screen time to them in the first place, and this is what you do with it. I hate it. But anyways, this is <laughs> thanks, not nearly. I hate it. Thanks, I hate, exactly. This is not nearly the end of that storyline. Unfortunately, just a midpoint. It's yeah, that's true. Which is a shame because it's like there are so many storylines in Glee right now that their wedding doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it's not a show about the adults. It could be a show about the adults. We've talked about this before. Like, there, it could be. It was that meant could to be. be. Right. Like, could be a different show where we know where we follow their lives. But uh, it's not. And they're boring. And we don't we don't care. Sorry, Mr. Schuster stands. <laughs> Do those exist? I don't know. I don't want to discriminate <laughs> against the one of them. I will discriminate. Matthew Morrison listening to this podcast. I I was about to say, it's Matthew Morrison. (laughs) He's got nothing else to do right now, right? I mean... Uh, No, he was the Grinch, right? (laughs) Oh my god. Um, Stepping away from the terribleness that is Mr. Schuster um, and into the awkwardness of Quinn and Joe, last name, insert here. Remember Hart. Hart. Yes. Thank you. I could not remember it at all, and I couldn't be fucked to look it up. Um, thoughts? We should, in my head, just rent free. Never goes away. It's true. I mean, my main thought, and this is less about, I don't know, it's more about the choices Glee makes and less about their storyline. Mm-hmm. I never want to hear about a teenage boy's boner on a TV show. Oh my god, Ooh, fair. yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get what they were doing with the storyline, but I had the same reaction to that one scene of, like, Finn, you know, the one early yep. on in the show. <laughs> like, they don't want to describe you, like, you know. I don't want to describe it. Yeah, if you don't know, then that's fine. You don't that know. One. You don't need to know, yep. But I just had a, like, like immediate, like, gut reaction of wanting to just, like, pause the episode and turn it off mm-hmm. when when Quinn was, like, what is that or whatever she says yeah i i think i would have been more grossed out by that if i wasn't so put off by an a non-medical professional doing her physical therapy yeah I and mean, that's also very <laughs> as someone who's had physical therapy just the thought of someone who doesn't know what they're doing like please don't touch you're gonna hurt her you shouldn't be there i'm also and her confused. actual therapist was standing there with him like here take a leg like don't let him do that put that leg down yeah i didn't understand that and the whole thing was confusing because he was like to paraphrase the conversation they had he said that her him going to therapy with her would be a christian action because he was like i had my christianity is about action not words so i'm gonna go to physical therapy with you what i i guess that he was performing acts of service. I don't know. By like, helping crying. a rich white girl. I was I'm like, what does well, that have to also, do with Jesus? I wouldn't want to feel like someone's service project <laughs> that would put me in a romantic frame of mind toward them. Mm, very 100%. true. 
I think the root of this is that they, when Joe won the Glee project, project. they were like, he has exactly one interesting thing about him for the show that Mm -hmm. he's a Christian. So we'll just put him in conflicts where his Christianity is at odds with the situation. So they did the singing for a gay couple, a lesbian couple back in heart. And now it's, he has sexual feelings towards a woman. And that's, and I don't think he ever gets another storyline again. I think these are it. I honestly can't think of anything else that he does on this show. I'd forgotten about this one. So there could be another, but I remember this one because I am always so put off by the PT scene of like the boner and the yeah, not. I forgot about the boner. Go on. Watch that out. Yeah, I'm also, I was also put off by Quinn once again just falling for someone who's nice to her. Yeah. She just kind of bounces around to guys who are briefly nice to her. And then her whole thing in the bathroom of like, he's disgusted by me. Like, you have spoken to this man twice oh yeah Yeah. that was weird like you don't you don't know him well enough to have a strong reaction to him at all she also just sang that song in the michael tribute never can say goodbye about all the different guys she's been with and like symbolically moving on from that because now she's gonna go to yale and it's like you're gonna get involved with this sophomore dude oh that's right he's a sophomore sophomore gross gross Quinn (laughs) no you're older than that okay headcanon she's just trying to forget about Rachel so (laughs) legit that's that That seems most realistic Mm -hmm. I think that's it I can I can pick that up (laughs) I can I pick up what you're gently putting down (laughs) what I offer for you What, what you put out on the plate um I actually don't have that many notes for the Quinn and Joe thing just because it's like Joe asked her how she was doing and she became attached to him. Yeah. It's just like everyone else is ignoring her or something. I don't know. But are they though? Like Artie spent a whole day senior ditch day with her. They don't, no one else seems to be ignoring her. Yeah, I know. Brittany included her with the I want to dance with somebody as much as she could could and she had that cute little quote like and quinn you're still dancing in my dreams and you can fly and breathe fire yeah that's cute it it doesn't feel like she's being ignored the uh most interesting thing about the quinn and joe storyline to me is the conversation sam and joe have i Mm. kind of liked hearing that sam lost his virginity uh and it wasn't like a traumatizing thing to him Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he did it while he was. I mean, the a teenage boy being like a male stripper is like questionable by itself. But yeah, but the fact that he had like a positive experience with sex and seems yeah. okay with it, I liked. I liked that messaging for sure. Yeah, me too. Yep. White chocolate. <laughs> oh no. Something was, else I also didn't need to see in the show, but I know I'm not gonna hold it against Sam nearly as much. That is it was legit. interesting that Joe went to him for advice and then he was like, Well, I dated her. And I was like <laughs> I just didn't know what to think of that. I was like, okay, this glee club is just incestuous. It's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever, that's my ex. What did we call it? We called it the uh the blob. 
the blob yeah oh yeah i remember that (laughs) the blob has grown exponentially with every new character sam entered the blob joe is entering the blob it's just it just eats people up every new character just (laughs) they can't possibly date anyone else well mercedes was the one who went the longest and of course she had to break up with him even um even Blaine was like blob adjacent with the Rachel thing. That's true. Oh, that was blob adjacent. Wow. Run, Blaine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Escape the blob. Honestly, that's how I felt half this episode anyway. Yeah. Run, my sweet Blaine. Okay, well, uh, we can fight about that now, I guess, because I think we're out of the other storylines. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's anything left. I'm I mean, trying to think, like, are there other storylines other than they're sad about Whitney Houston and just performing awesome songs? I was going to say, I, the only other notes I have that are not Curtin Blaine related are talking about loving Britney's song and um, Santana and Britney in the silver dresses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Both of their songs were so cute. And it was yeah. kind of fun to have Britain have her own song. It was, yes. yeah. She's not like the best singer of the group, but watching her dance and also like engage all of the different members of the club. I love when she pulls like Mike up and they just like do a little dance. Mm-hmm. So cute. Yeah. yeah. She's always, or I, always is such a rough word, but like she's the one who does seem to just grab people to party in the Glee Club. Mm-hmm. It's, it, Rachel doesn't she does her solos but Brittany is the one who goes around like let's all have fun and dance I mean that yeah that's exactly what I was thinking it's a nice break from the Rachel energy or even like the Mercedes or Kurt energy mm-hmm. right of like it's the, my spotlight right yes the, the solo energy she's she's group energy it kind of reminded me of like the Brittany Brittany episodes too um where like Britney and Santana do me against the music. They don't do enough. Oh yeah. Yeah, they don't get enough um duets. It's really cute. The couples who aren't Finn and Rachel don't get a ton of duets, do they? It's true. Yeah. Curtain Blaine. I know. There's never enough. Well, there's also um I guess there is kind of that like Santana Rachel thing for a second. Where Rachel's like, we could have been friends this whole time. Again, all of these episodes to me are leading up to a series finale. Yeah. Like they didn't think that they were going to have a fourth season and they were just like, let's make sure none of our characters go out hating each other. Mm. And all of a sudden, Rachel's just going to be like, hey, Santana, you're actually a better singer than me. I mean, what? (laughs) You're, You're a better performer than me. Right. And we should be friends as we're leaving. Which is a thing that you tell a character when the show is ending and you want everyone to go out on a high note. Right. Well, this um, is more evidence that they didn't know. Were they going to get this spinoff in New York? Were they not? <laughs> who would be there and who wouldn't? And, nope. you know, spoiler for the rest of this season, I think they still didn't super know by the end of it, like, who would be right. New York and who wouldn't. Um, yeah. And it's it's kind of funny, too, when you think about Naya's Sorry Not Sorry book talking about um leah michelle and their struggles on set Mm -hmm. and having this little moment between their characters being like well we could have been friends i guess you're not so bad like it's just kind of a did ryan put that little moment in because glee is not a documentary Mm. probably 
History points to yes, <laughs> more than history, likely. Yeah, history points to yes. Also, these scenes are annoying to me because they're acting like people who were friends in high school automatically stop being friends the moment you graduate. Right. And I know some people, you leave town and you never speak again, but this is fucking the day of the internet. We you text, you Skype. <laughs> like, I mean, I can say from personal experience, you have to put effort into leaving everyone behind from high school. Yes. I mean, I've done it, but like, I got to block a lot of people on Facebook. Yeah. It really takes work to drop yeah. people. I was going to say, it also says that, like, the opposite can't be true either. That, like, people you went to high school with, you you can't have the opportunity to be friends later if you're not mm-hmm. friends while you're in yeah. high school. Yeah. And it's like, that's not true either. Like, people no. grow and change. You might yeah. be more similar later than you were in high school, and that's okay. Yeah, two people who butt heads when they were 16 might actually get along when you're 22. It doesn't... Yeah. Who you were is not who you're going to be. Brief sort of related to the episode aside there um one of the people i went to high school with that i am facebook friends now and we exchange you know pleasant messages back and forth um when he graduated high school i'm from mississippi in case anyone didn't know (laughs) conservative land uh he graduated high school he was a year below me but we went to college together too uh so he graduated college and then moved to la Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize he was gay until I happened to be like looking at something on his Facebook (laughs) and he was friends with Chris Colfer on Facebook. (laughs) And then I was like, first of all, this tag is from West Hollywood. (laughs) Second of all, why is Chris Colfer tagged in this? Mandy, why did I not know you're two steps away from Chris Colfer? I had no idea. I know. I, I mean, I've literally never, like, asked him. He doesn't, I don't think he even lives in California anymore. But, but I yeah, mean, how? <laughs> that one person, I was like, suddenly you are someone I wish I had known in high school better. Holy shit. Yeah. The missed opportunities. I know. Well, this is great information. I'm bugging. That's amazing. <laughs> I also have to say, maybe we should have each, like, read each other a little better on the gay thing because the one thing I ever remember having a conversation with him about in high school was a project I was doing on Judy Garland. <laughs> See, he should have picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> You're both anyway, my- You? You? <laughs> there's my high school story slash my like six degrees of Chris Colfer story. Oh my god, wow. that's amazing. Like truly amazing. Wow. I'm a little mad about it. <laughs> Well, I had not about it until just now, actually, like, because I discovered that in like 2012. Wow. Well, that's like peak Glee fandom time. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just like too weirded out to say anything. Then. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been hard. <laughs> Can I show you my blog? <laughs> Good God. No. Can I light myself on fire? <laughs> <laughs> love it speaking of lighting myself on fire i'd love that for you um are you ready right into are you ready to fight right into this clean (laughs) storyline that me are you gonna fight about ready to fight um how do we even begin with how i feel like we set up the conflict because kurt is excited for whitney week Clearly, he does the high will I, how will I know he's participating. It turns out at the end, the Whitney Shrine is in his locker. 
Yeah, he replaced Blaine's photo with Whitney in his yeah. locker. And I think that's that should have been clue enough for everybody that there were problems. Yeah. True. But I think Or the origin of the problems. Blaine shows up one day and he's like, wait. Where did my picture you stole off the wall of Dalton Academy go? That's fanon, but it's also true. Yes. Um, yeah. So but Kurt approaches Blaine at Blaine's locker and he's like, I'm excited about Whitney week. And I think I want to do this song or that song, which we should discuss that later once we're out of plot, because I'm so intrigued about why he picked those two songs, like saying that they were perfect for him anyways. And Blaine is like a limp noodle. He's just like, Oh, I can't go today. That's his whole line. I can't Mm -hmm. go today. No excuse. No reason. No, let's go a different day. I can't go today. Text me when you're done. He is completely checked out of something that Kurt's excited about. And I don't think Kurt appreciated that. Oh, no, not at all. Kurt goes to Between the Sheets to get (laughs) sheet music because apparently there was no internet with digital sheet music at this time? Question mark? I don't know. I, I I think he just liked the name of the store. <laughs> Probably. It's a great name. Do you and think Between the Sheets is a subsidiary of Sheets and Things? Definitely. I mean, I'm <laughs> that's fanon now. <laughs> but lo and behold, at Sheets at I almost said Sheets and Things. <laughs> lo and behold, at Between the Sheets, he meets the famous Chandler Keel, who is a AKA Tyler Oakley. That's <laughs> it. I mean, look and act like him. Yeah, the the yeah. casting notes like literally had to have said like find a Tyler Oakley. He was. He's like blonde with like big round glasses yeah. and like the beanie or some kind of hat. He also just reminded me of like kind of like a if Kurt could clone himself mm-hmm. and then like you know worship him, have his clone worship himself. Like that was kind of the like, dynamic. Um, but Chandler is very very excited. You know, excitement in spades from Chandler about Kurt and who he is and going to Niata and doing this Whitney song and every song is going to be perfect for you, blah, blah, blah. And Chandler asks for his number and Kurt feels special and appreciated in a way that he wasn't feeling from Blaine. Mm, mm-hmm, Not mm-hmm, that he mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. have done any of it. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, I think the central conflict around this is love languages. Kurt wanted to hear words of affirmation blaine was not giving that to him he was giving him quite the opposite of that he was like freezing him out not talking to him basically or barely talking to him and then he gets somebody who's who's just keeping this like affirmation praise words on him so blaine Mm -hmm. fast forward to the argument is like i transferred schools to be with you i i changed my whole life that doesn't make you feel loved he's like i'm showing you love as you know, I don't know if you call that acts of service or quality time, maybe both. Um, he's like, I'm showing you love. Don't you see it? And then by the end of the episode, they get on the same page and they show each other love in the way that. They yes. Um, I think we're glossing over the flirty text messages. I'm not saying that that excuses Kurt's actions, but I'm saying that I, I think the storyline makes more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. Like the actions and the motivations I feel like I get a get a little bit more now than I did before because I remember before just being like who the fuck and why the fuck and what is happening you mean who's Chandler who's Chandler oh god Blaine's little I, face I had those to pause eyes. those like, 
eyes. <laughs> I mean, we can like make the epitome of that emoji uh-huh. with like, the big eyes. Yes. I mean, I know we make fun of Darren sometimes, but like that face during that scene. He was my God. Like, big eyes and little mm-hmm. downturned pouty mouth all episode. Yes. Killing me. Um, I still feel like, well, one, it's apparent even more to me in this watch through. I almost said read through. <laughs> I'm not reading the text here. Um, in this watch that it's a it's a elongated storyline compressed into one episode. Mm. So like we have no idea how long Blaine has maybe been a little withdrawn. We don't all we know is that Kurt has been texting somebody else for a couple days. Right. But also that Kurt has only texted Blaine four times in the last two days. So he's definitely shifted his attention from his boyfriend to Rando Chandler. But we don't know how long, because like what we've gone is from Blaine in um, Saturday Night Gleaver with like the dancing and the flirty face and like all that kind of cute stuff to this episode where suddenly he's distant. Oh, well, remember Saturday Night Night Gleaver, that dance between them was a fantasy sequence. Well, right. But as an audience, you're still seeing it. You're still seeing. Oh, that's true. Oh, I'm not giving Glee any props for storytelling (laughs) at all. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about that. If I could pretend this was a fan fiction, I'd be like, oh, I see. I was supposed to read between the lines because they were sitting far apart from each other. And Blaine looked at Kurt, but Kurt didn't look back during the If I Can't Have You song. Remember? So Yes. I mean. I would love to take that as subtext, but I refuse to give them credit. Yeah, I don't give the Glee writers any credit. I would think it would be Chris and Darren knowing what was coming. Yeah, if anything. Choosing to act that way. Yeah. Especially if you think about, do you remember the behind the scenes photos where Chris and Darren's chairs were right next to each other's and then Mm -hmm. Kurt and Blaine were sitting like a foot apart? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not saying that means anything. I'm just saying that it's a thing that happened. Yeah. I definitely think Chris and Darren always had a different agenda than the rest of Glee production. Yes, I think so too. Um, but yeah, so I felt I felt watching this that the POV of the fight and the lead up was coming from Kurt and not Blaine. So you're getting Kurt's side of the story all the way up until Blaine. All right, until like the bedroom scene. Right. Which is so, shitty because yeah you literally have one side of what's going on yeah because like we don't know how kurt is treat well all we know is how kurt is treating blaine all we know is that he's texting another dude and clearly hiding it right he's not like hey look at this dude i met at this thing like he knows it's wrong he knows it's fucked up yeah rachel's not he's not treating it like blaine treated sebastian yes yes and we uh, blaine texting sebastian is questionable hot but questionable no and well i'm glad they bring that up in this episode because they needed to like to round out this fight like if they hadn't brought up sebastian at all we would have been like what the fuck what Mm -hmm. the fuck like we literally have heard him and sebastian say that they've been they text and apparently even call um Mm -hmm. according to kurt so i'm glad they did bring that up yeah and it it does seem like like you said, that Kurt and Blaine have different love languages that are not yet um, on the same page or being recognized as love languages. Mm-hmm. So we as the viewers, or maybe like 
explain stands or maybe just <laughs> us us three we're like this motherfucker is transferring schools to be with this shithead my god what a declaration how does kurt and that was what a season ago sitting here going like he's gonna transfer schools for you obviously he loves you we can all see that well, we have to talk about the conversation that he has with Rachel, because that is kind of the only time, like, we see the Blaine part of the story, even though it's through Kurt's lens. So I wouldn't say we're actually seeing Blaine's side necessarily. But right. in the conversation with Rachel, she sees him texting someone and she's like, ooh, is that Blaine? And he's like, no, that's not Blaine. Mm -hmm. Blaine and I are apparently undergoing lesbian bed death. Oh, I hate Funny. that so much. My wife and I were watching this episode together and she was like, what the fuck? She'd never heard of it before. Um, so she's been bugging over that for like three days. Um, yep. <laughs> but yeah, but he's Ooh, basically bro. like, we, we're not intimate anymore. And he doesn't say sex. He says make out. So like basically just in general, maybe Kurt yeah. is looking, clearly looking for um words of affirmation and clearly looking for physical touch another love language yeah there's a lot going on <laughs> yeah um but anyways I, I do think that's the only time we really see like what kurt's at least what kurt's perception of right where blaine is going wrong and he yeah it seems to kind of hinge on those two things we're not making out spontaneously there's no mm -hmm. like spontaneous romance and he doesn't say he doesn't text me enough and like say nice things to me and he does i mean blaine out of his own mouth is like i can't go today i just can't yeah he said it <laughs> well, <laughs> just like you can just slightly say bad acting too like yeah yeah i don't know when it, you have to wonder too of um well one how <laughs> they're fucking teenagers who have been together for what like six months like what are you talking about not a little is it really it's i honestly like a year at this point because they're the timeline the of this the timeline yeah. of their show i cannot follow no you're fine they're in the spring again so it's been about a year okay that's fair well and they were at different schools for a, a while bit, yeah and, and then, then the they summer, and, yeah. in the summer summer loving yeah, the so. the excuse of like our unscheduled makeouts always just fell flat for me 100 mm -hmm. but it it does feel like it feels like an adult excuse put onto two randy teenagers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it felt like something that adults were writing like for for teenagers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like this, these are not arguments that teenagers are having. Right. But it's also like um communication, just complete yeah. breakdown in communication. And like I get maybe Kurt felt like blaine was kind of icing him out a little bit and didn't feel comfortable bringing up i don't know but i'm just like you guys have been together for a year at this point and mm -hmm. communication used to be the thing they did best tbt never again but like in season right. two yeah yeah so. no it is it's you know they used to be the ones who always talked to each other and now we don't see that at all and it's hard to assume given that how many fucking characters there are and how little time is actually spent I mean, people rag on Clayne and I think especially Blaine getting solos and they kind of wrap that into Clayne takes over Clee. But if you think about the screen time that they actually get, it's not a lot. You don't know. We never see them go on a fucking date. I can't actually think of a of a date that we like see them the go on. Them, right. Yeah. Just like two teenagers, even as going out to a coffee at the lima being like okay great but what about all the other times that they have been 
Oh, wait. They've been together how fucking long? They're at Breadsticks when Kurt asked Blaine to the prom. There are Breadsticks alone. I can't think okay. of one. Cool. So once <laughs> there's their breakup scene at the beginning of season six, but that's another issue altogether. I'm sorry. They're what in the what? <laughs> Just bleep all that out, Adriana. Bleep, bleep in the bleep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't understand what. Oh, I don't, those words stupid. don't make sense. Like split second flashback and really stupid. Oh, season six is so dumb. Um, but no, no, you're absolutely right. Like. Clayne doesn't really become the main couple until after Corey dies. So that's like what season mm-hmm. five. Um, yeah, because, you know, I mean, Finchel was it. They were always going to be it. So, and then of course, main couple treatment means breakups. breakups. Let's yep. break them up. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Keep them apart. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I think I still think my, my big problem with this this break this breakup this this breakup or attempt at a breakup is the one-sidedness mm-hmm. where it could have been interesting if we actually saw what what Blaine was doing that wasn't being communicated to Kurt and vice versa like right. what we hear later on is that Blaine is fucking terrified that his boyfriend who he's changed his whole life for is just going to leave him behind you know, he left behind his warblers and his school. But, you know, he's his boyfriend has been spending the last six months saying nothing but how excited he is to go to New York 2,000 miles away from him. Right. And Kurt, at, I mean, I still get annoyed, you know, in, in Emma's scene, in the, the counselor scene, that Kurt doesn't really seem to get that that's still an issue for Blaine. Mm-hmm. it was foreshadowing he, a little bit it is foreshadowing because his response to i'm afraid of you leaving me behind is we're gonna talk on the phone like okay that's not actually understanding the root of the problem that's you saying don't worry <laughs> it's gonna be fine like well no it's not yeah. actually and you know that if you thought about it for 30 seconds you would understand that you're gonna be in class you're gonna be busy take his concern seriously because i i always feel like he doesn't take blaine's concerns seriously well it feels a little bit like a callback to season one kurt to me i mean he's grown a lot Mm -hmm. especially with blaine but he has these moments of like just complete lack of caring for anything except what his sights are set on yeah you know he's friends with rachel but he has a crush on finn so you know screw rachel um and it's not that he's saying like screw blaine but he is also much more concerned about how things make kurt feel than how things might be making blaine feel yeah we're gonna talk every night like okay that uh that's not that's not the problem one of kurt's complaints is also uh, okay, I said that, and as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, is that fic or is that real life? <laughs> um, <laughs> that Blaine isn't that excited about, like, Kurt going to New York or anything. Um, oh, no. Basically, Blaine not really being, like, tapped into the things Kurt wants to talk about. That could be fic. When was that? I feel I like think I do I remember that. <laughs> I think it's fic, but... 
<laughs> but maybe, maybe not. I, that might have been back in season two. I don't know. Well, okay. Yeah. So I've been through a similar situation as what they are about to go through. So like my wife and I were long distance for a huge chunk of our relationship. We were only together for the first six months of our relationship, like in the same city. And then we were long distance for the next like three years or something Mm. like that. So like I've been in Blaine's shoes before where like she was preparing to, she was doing a year of like service um, mm-hmm. after college and she was keeping the door open to like go international or go somewhere quite far away. And she actually ended up going, like I live in new Orleans and she was in Portland, Oregon, which is two, um, time zones away. Like yes, we couldn't see each other except for like maybe twice a year, um, with flights and everything. So like I've been in Blaine's shoes and been very insecure and scared and, in a lot of ways I had to kind of reframe as like, this is more for her than it is for me. Like I'm obviously it's very selfish of me to be concerned about my place in her like next step. Like, it's like, if we're agreeing to stay in this relationship, like we'll figure it out. Like as we go, um, you can't be completely, you can't just have the whole future laid out for you of like, this is exactly how it's going to be. And you have to like live in that uncertainty. And I feel like Blaine being what 17 years old Mm -hmm. was not ready to like live in that uncertainty and I was like what 20 23 when Lid was going to thing and I was not ready to live in that uncertainty like it took a lot of conversations and me like really consciously putting work towards it to to feel confident to like live in that uncertainty so like I totally understand where he was coming from and why he felt that way what I don't understand is why they didn't talk more explicitly about it. And I guess that's why they bring, absolutely. But I think that's why they bring Bert in as well to like, be like, to show Kurt, like what Kurt wasn't understanding. Mm -hmm. Because Bert's like, I've been avoiding Friday night dinners because I'm sad that there won't be any more. Like there will eventually be a last Friday night dinner. And so I've been just avoiding them in general to avoid that like pain of of the bitter sweetness of of going to Friday night dinner and knowing it's one of the last um and I think that was supposed to I mean their intention was for Kurt to hear that and be like oh that's what's happening with Blaine mm-hmm. as he's like he's pulling away because he's scared of in the future they they will pull away from each other yeah um it which is legit sense, but yeah and you know Kurt is not he is not not selfish i think it's fair for blaine to be concerned that kurt will not meet him halfway especially if they are far apart right that that does go back to like it's kurt's personality and like not to skip ahead too much but that's literally what happens kurt can't focus on anything but kurt yeah kurt wants to stay in the relationship with blaine but immediately tunes out of anything to do with blaine's life Uh uh-huh Yep. Like once he's gone. I mean, that is how Kurt operates. He is hardly listening during their couples counseling. Yeah. Like, and maybe that was acting choice. Maybe that was writing. But when writing that thing, when he is like, I am actively listening, like, no, you're not. Like, I'm actively being passive aggressive. Like, I've heard that tone from people. (laughs) Like, I know what that means. That means you are checked the fuck out. And I mean, okay, all of this feeds into my um, preference that they would have just broken up after high school instead of what we actually had to go through. Right. Yes. 
I just, I mean, I love Curtin Blaine so much, but I would rather have seen a show where they just clean break up uh, and then each have other storylines for uh-huh. a year or two until Kurt shows up at Nyata. I yes. mean, Blaine shows up at Nyata. But that's no, the 100%. problem. None of the couples get to clean break up. Like, yeah. no. I mean, it's unfortunate that Kurt and Blaine's season four breakup comes from cheating, especially in the light of what happens in this episode. Like, that's extra shitty, but like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't happen. They're just determined to keep all the couples apart for the yes. drama and not to yeah, not to show just what you're saying, Mandy, like a, a mature parting of the ways because you have different priorities or whatever going on in your lives. Or even a slightly bitter heart parting of the ways mm-hmm. that's like you know, I'm going off to college. I need to be able to focus on this. Mm-hmm. And then Blaine saying, like, I need you to focus on me. And, you know, just not being able to meet in the middle there. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes that happens. And then mm-hmm. we still could have gotten a clean reunion with two stronger people. And you still get all the joy of a marriage later. And you don't have to have the baggage of bad storylines in between. What's- and Glee still could have shoehorned Adam and the Apples in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, no, but I was I wasn't going there, Manny. I was going the Blaine having a crush on Sam travesty. That's what oh, I was about God, to say. No, that was the worst part no, of the breakup. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I no, agree with sides. that. Both sides. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> no. God. I know. I'm not. I can't wait to, to hate these episodes. Can't wait to. I know. <sighs> I mean. The couples counseling does give us the fact that Kurt has apparently been putting bronzer into Blaine's moisturizer. Also, please stop slipping bronzer into my moisturizer. You look good with a little color. I only use lotion on my hands. It looks weird if a person just has tan hands. <laughs> Which did also lead to the fanon of what parts of Blaine were tanned. Yes, because apparently he only puts lotions on his hands. Wink, mm-hmm. wink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wink, looks wink. weird if you just have tan pants um a plus acting from darren chris there yes tan hands he really dug deep for that one (laughs) um i i really 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 despise that they had this final like reconciliation reconciliatory conversation in emma's office it didn't make any sense um i get i guess i get the like needing a mediator kind of thing maybe because Blaina took such a hard stance on like you cheated on me and Kurt being mm-hmm. like I did not cheat on you and like there being some maybe extra volatile feelings mediation um, needed yeah so maybe they did need a mediator but I think it's just another reason for Kurt to put the gay couples in a public space so that they can't kiss I'm like they just <laughs> did it with Brittany and Santana where Brittany helped yeah. Santana get into college and they were in Sue's office in front of Sue so they couldn't kiss like give a little friendly here. pat on the shoulder yeah just a little a deep hug mm-hmm. it is yes that was questionable weird Instead of a makeup kiss, it's a friendly hug. Yeah, I don't care for that. I think the thing that they did dirtier was it's not right, but it's okay.
Huh. Oh yeah. I hate the song. <laughs> like you hate it even when Whitney does it? No, no, Whitney's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this version. So what do you hate about it? Um everything. <laughs> That's a lot of things. I I hate how, at least for Blaine, and I don't know if it's I don't know if the writers just don't like Darren or if they like fucking with him. I don't know why Blaine has to be the one who talks into his songs. I don't know why <laughs> in these last couple episodes, especially, he has to have dialogue that somehow leads into the song. Like with like, that's why you made me a fighter. And here it's like, it's, it's, oh, it's not right, but it's okay. And then singing, it's not right, but it's okay. <laughs> like, I why do they make him do this? Glee said Blaine likes heavy handed symbolism in his songs. I, the heavier handed, the better. Yes. Um, this did bring us, I don't know if it's the arrival of Sassy Blaine, but it is the coming out of Sassy Blaine. <laughs> um, I just, there's something about the heavy techno remix of this song with Darren's voice that does not work for me. Um, and I, I just, I don't care for it. It's not my favorite actually, thing, although no. I like the song, but I will be honest, I have never heard any, I've never heard any other version of the song. Mm. So this one's like faster and like, man, and like Emily said, it's more produced, I guess. Like it has more. It's very produced. Yeah. Yeah. There's just some songs that Darren is not great at. Sorry. The the thing that always distracts me during it is how, like, as soon as they do like the costume change and stuff, he is full Darren Chris. Yes. Yes, that is true. He's no longer Blaine. That is not Blaine. No. So true. It's because he's gayer. You're not wrong. Yeah. That's fair to say. It's much more hand wavy, you know, the hair thing. Like, it's not, it's not Blaine. Um, And especially when you put this song up against Kurt doing I Have Nothing. It's like they drew straws of who gets the better Whitney Houston song. I mean, okay, Kurt doing I Have Nothing is good, but in the context of the episode, it it kind of pisses me off. Oh, mm. no, I agree. I, the song itself is not appropriate. Wait, wait, dude, tell why does it piss you off? I don't know. I mean, Kurt did something that hurt Blaine's feelings. Mm-hmm. Blaine might have done something that hurt Kurt, too, but it's really undeniable that Kurt did something, you know, that hurt Blaine. And then he sings a song with lyrics like that. And every time I listen to it, I'm like, so is he saying like, you need to accept me flirting with other guys and being needy and jealous? Like, is that the point of it? That has always been my problem with this song or the lines of like, um, the, cause I'll never change all my colors for you. Like, okay. I'm like, you already know. I'll never change. After yeah. being caught flirting with another guy, yeah. I don't know. No, okay. So I think okay, 
yes, I remember feeling that way when I watched it the first time. But when I watched it again this time, I remembered that his conversation with Bert, where Bert is scared about him going to New York, happens in between the two events. So between him and Blaine having the bedroom scene and then him singing, I have nothing. So I interpreted it this time as like, oh, he's realized now why Blaine is upset or he's guessed some form of why Blaine is probably upset that he's, he's pulling away because he's seeing the inevitable change in their relationship dynamic. So now he's like, okay, I know how to show Blaine that I'm serious it's in a song because that's how Blaine communicates his feelings a la, you know, um, somewhere only we know. I'm sure there's more. That's just the one that came to mind when Kurt goes back to McKinley. So that's how I took it as like, ah, he's figured out why Blaine is probably upset. And so he's going to sing this song to him. And, you know, I get, I don't know. I get that. I, I understand and I respect, but then the song is like, <laughs> don't make me close one more door. And it's like, what you don't make me close one more door. Don't close them in the first place, fucker. Yeah. I don't know. I'm straddling a line between like the opinions that the two of you have, <laughs> uh, because I do agree with the love language thing, but for this song, I still just annoyed me. Like that's not the attitude I wanted. That didn't feel like a meeting in the middle yeah. kind of song. It's, it felt that a little gaslighty. Like, yeah. Yeah, gaslighty is a good word for it. And I, I honestly think they picked this song, one, because they knew Chris could sing it, and two, because... Which he can't. Well, there like, is that. The And also, because they ha- it does have the lyrics of, I have nothing if I don't have you, and I think they just liked that lyric, and they just no, didn't yeah. care about the rest, which isn't fair, because the rest of the song is a little like, hey, Blaine this is who I am. Take me or leave me. Even if I flirt with other dudes all the time, like, um, no. And if we break up, it's your fault for closing the door. (laughs) If we break up, it's your fucking fault. (laughs) Don't make me yet. No. And the song is the phrase. Don't make me just immediately resonates negatively in my mind. Agree. I'm just thinking about Kurt and Blaine of like, maybe people were right. They weren't right. People were just, right about what? Oh, about they being were, toxic. Yeah. <laughs> like, do not give people credit for their stupid opinions. I feel like they were victim to, number one, the horrendous Glee writer's room, mm-hmm. which just constantly fucked with anything that fans liked or anything oh, that yeah. was going well. Like, they, they didn't know how to create drama that didn't involve a breakup, cheating, you know, horrible, catastrophic things. Like, they didn't know how to have small manageable conflict than any right. relationship would have so that's number one i mean but there then, was conflict enough that he was leaving town they didn't have to add flirting with another dude exactly i mean also there's conflict enough in the fact that they are a like young gay couple in an ohio yeah. town yeah the, homo- but hey, the homophobia thing is so season two you know so what <laughs> Who needs storylines about that? They covered it once. Everyone knows homophobia only happens once per person's lifetime. <laughs> well, yeah. And then never again. Yay. They solved it well, with I guess song. They... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, B, now I can't stop thinking about the, like, Kurt just realizing that Blaine shares his feelings in song. 
<laughs> like yeah right he like he was serenaded sitting... so much before this no he really hasn't and blaine sings him songs all the time and kurt was like what sitting at home one day and realized oh that's why he sings me songs right like he's Sharing like oh blaine feeling. won't talk to me but i can sing at him yeah <laughs> He has like direct eye contact, not flinching the whole time he's singing. I have nothing like it's yeah. kind of impressive, honestly, that he did it yeah. in front of everyone. Well, if we're done arguing about, I almost said Chris and Darren about Kurt and Blaine. <laughs> I mean, either way, um, a favorite song. Mm. Oh, and then I have a question. Maybe I do need to take my bread out if we're going to talk more than five minutes. How about take Ugh. your bread out and then do that same transition again? Whatever you just said, it was good. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> God damn it. Um, if we are done arguing about curtain... <laughs> almost did it again we're done Blaren. Curtin Blaren. if we are done arguing about Kurt and Blaine or respectfully mildly disagreeing on the shades of gray in their <laughs> first argument as a couple um do you have a favorite song I am gonna say and I don't know that I, I don't listen to a lot of Whitney's music so apologies, but I'm gonna say Britney's song. Hmm. Dance with somebody. Yeah. a good song yeah I, I genuinely like the song on top of like enjoying them in the pretty dresses mm -hmm. um i'd love that song so much i think i'm gonna pick how well i know mm. just because i'm so in love with that arrangement mm -hmm. and their voices together but i want to dance with somebody is just one of my all-time favorite songs and i got to appreciate it so much more this time without my goggles on getting to enjoy britanna yep they're that so is cute. also, yeah, I think that's also my favorite from the episode is I want to mm -hmm. dance with somebody. It's just so good. And it oh was so, God, so fun. It is. It's joyous. It is joyous. No drama with that couple. They were enjoying yeah. being the sea couple. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. That sea couple life where they don't care about you enough to fuck you up yet. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They were just happy and cute this whole season. It's the way it should be. Um, I was going to ask, but I'm realizing that maybe it's not going to be a useful question. I was going to ask what Whitney songs that weren't covered did you want covered? Mm. Oh, yeah. I got nothing on that one. I see that. I'm trying to think if I know of a different one. Oh, oh, okay. Greatest Love of All is a really good song, actually. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. A very iconic song by her. Um, I guess it's not as fun as some of these other ones, but if I had to listen to a slow solo, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wish there had been a little bit more Mercedes, honestly. Like she mm. got to see lead on How Will I Know, but yeah, I just know she would smash some Whitney. Well, don't forget, she and Artie do have a song at the end that no one cares about. I forgot about that song. <laughs> they started singing it. I was like, what is this? Uh-huh. Yep. I, um, I did write the singular note, cute. <laughs> <laughs> and put in parentheses, Artie and Mercedes. Yep. <laughs> so I acknowledged it, but not to any great extent. Okay. It's such a weird song. To, I guess they were trying to convey this like unified message. I don't know. I feel like they could have sung something way more fun than that at the end. But then oh. they don't even get to really sing it because everybody joins in. It's like, no, yeah, the solo. Whatever. Yeah. I I also got very upset. It they list um, when Kurt and Blaine are talking at the end. Um, they list all the things that other people are doing yes. because, and that's why they're not going to be in Glee. And then they all show up, and like in my mind, I'm like, "Did you just like flake off work, Finn? Mm-hmm. Did you know what happened to that really good sale? <laughs> did Blaine lie because he really wanted to have sex? I think so. You know that that makes more sense <laughs> because I'm going to believe that. I meant to bring that up earlier. They do effectively communicate by the end. Blaine comes up yeah. and he's like, "I love your jauntily placed calf. It's like a Russian czar." Like words of affirmation. And he sends Kurt a flirty text. Yes, you do notice Gross. though that they are the communication is Blaine doing the things that Kurt asked him to do, and what is Kurt doing for Blaine? I'm just saying. <laughs> Not having sex with him. You're right. <laughs> but, I mean, it, um, yeah. I mean, Blaine was like, I want quality time. And Kurt was like, let's go to Glee Club. I'm just Which, saying. You're correct. The, yeah. Doesn't mean they didn't have sex later. Yes, that is true. But I was like, mm, Kurt did not learn. But it's. Kurt, Kurt is the. I am uncomfortable and we are not about me meme. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Um, The final scene was like Blaine just doing a checklist of like things Kurt likes being told he looks cute. Check. Flirty text. Check. Sexy eyes. Check. What do I get back from Kurt in return? Glee club. I mean, you basically could have added a last check to that that's like, go along with Kurt's plans no matter what they are. (laughs) Check. I mean, here's the foreshadowing we were talking about. Like, clearly this is not done between them. Do you think this is foreshadowing or do you think that the Glee writers actually thought that that was like, here's a solid couple? (laughs) (laughs) Foreshadowing or recycling a storyline later on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. True. Yes. I feel like they wanted to leave the door open on that though, because I think that I think the Glee writers truly were like, maybe it was an animosity towards fandom or I don't know what it was, but I think they genuinely after season two were like, I think it bothered them that Kurt and Blaine were such a good couple and mm. Finn and Rachel had been so dysfunctional and crazy and love triangles and weird dynamics between them and like they don't really even like each other sometimes i feel like they were mad about that almost yeah like now we gotta fuck them up too nobody i mean can i can i take that theme and go a little bit tin hat with it too um not only did people prefer kurt and blaine 
to Finn and Rachel, you know, I mean, obviously Finn and Rachel had their fans, like a lot of them, but Kurt and Blaine had, were the underdog that had the massive fan base, but also Leah and Corey were actually together in real life. And yet more people cared about Chris and Darren. Mm-hmm. 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 And they were salty about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they were, yeah. I mean, I think the Glee PR machine was salty about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel. I follow this. I think that's totally it. I think there was just like this this perfect storm of of circumstances that led to because this is like the peak. This season is the peak of claim. Like we know that, but it's also the peak of like a lack of clean kisses at the same time. Like mm-hmm. this is when the inadequate, like the unequal nature of straight affection versus like queer affection was so apparent. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think all those things were at play. I think we could have an entire mini episode making arguments of when the Glee writers and producers did things out of animosity for the fandom. Mm-hmm. I think we could absolutely do that. I would also, if we do that, like to have someone on who just does not give a fuck about Clean. Mm. Oh, uh-huh. to point out where that happens in other areas of the show that we don't notice. Ooh, yes, Outside good call, good goggles. call. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure it does, but we've all been very distracted by the focus of our fandom when we were like going through it. Yes. That is fair. So yeah, I'd love to hear some non-Kurt and Blaine opinions on that. Yep. For sure. And I know Britannia fans would have opinions. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so if you're interested, let us know. <laughs> email us at gleeontherockspodcast at gmail.com. Um, our Kevin McScale, again, what, like a point five? He showed up at the end. Yeah, he got the, yeah I was going to say, he got the song at the end. That's really all he got, though. Yeah. I mean, he... I can't think of anything else. I do love some art Sadies, so. Yes. Yeah. Um, how do <laughs> we do have the clay index? How Is to this... rank? How to rank? I mean, based on screen time, pretty good. Screen time, A plot. Would we say this was the A plot? It was like the A. Well, according A-plot. to Netflix, the A plot was Wemma. <laughs> well, hey, I I refute that <laughs> and resent it. <laughs> um the downsides here are like yes it's a lot about clane but they don't have a duet know, and they but they do speak directly out. to each other yes they not kiss at all? no serenade no wow. no kissy kissy i didn't even realize that that's fucked that's just because yeah, they hug in the office yes the they deep hug Aaron does as best he can he really rips yeah I know the grip, the finger grip is like deep. <laughs> that was Darren. Like, if I can't put the lips on, I'm going deep. Yeah. Said Darren. Wow. I, I'm really feeling like how I felt 10 years ago with being so mad about the lack of kiss. Right? That takes it down some notch, some points there. <sighs> but is that there... It... Well, I guess the claim decks can be anything we want it to be, but I, this I struggle is incredibly sometimes. Scientific. I, I struggle sometimes with going back and forth between like what did the writers do versus what did the characters do? Like <laughs> thinking in two different dimensions here. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe an eight. 
Okay. Because okay. I don't feel like it's at absolute peak, Clayne, especially when What's Our Tens Been? Like, was Never Been Kissed a 10? I'm not Never Been Kissed. Original song a 10? Um, we need a, we need an easily searchable database. <laughs> I'm, do, I'm doing a quick search and I... I know we gave them a 10 sometimes. We must have given them a 10 for the... No, not the first time. Um, That might be in my season two doc. So I wouldn't have it here. They got an eight uh, in the Purple Piano Project. Oh, yeah. And he comes to McKinley. I'm just like trying to gauge in my head like what the, you know. They got an 8.5 for the boxing. Right. As a scale. And an eight again for the Valentine's Day episode, Heart. Mm. I feel like an eight is decent for this one, but maybe that's just me being salty that I didn't really like their songs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There was just a general vibe of like I didn't enjoy watching most of it. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, that makes like, sense. It's plain, but it didn't leave me with the happy feelings. Yes. Mm, so maybe like a seven, because the other ones were very yeah. happy. Mm, they were okay. 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 It's a lot of clean, but no, no kiss, no duet, and it was very negative, and also kind of mm, a little bit unfinished at the end. Like clearly, still yeah. things weren't cl- all the way back to okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point, Mandy. Excellent, excellent. Who said this wasn't scientific? <laughs> um, our coulda, shoulda, woulda. Oh, God. Clean kisses, obviously. Yes. Yeah. 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 I believe I these are that. called clisses. <laughs> Did we call them no, that? No. <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, God, that's so embarrassing. Clisses. <laughs> Well, I remember, we've said this before, but I remember the day we filled up a gift set with nine kisses. It was monumental. It wasn't until yes. season oh, five. Yeah. Or it might have been I season remember. five, honestly. Depressing. <laughs> Has gay media transcended this, I don't know, this oh. queer gatekeeping, I don't know what to call it exactly, but this imbalance of straight versus mm. queer storylines in a TV show. I don't know. I don't know what to we compare should do a about that. Yeah. Be interesting. Yes. I'm trying to think of an ensemble show. I don't know if there is one quite like this. I guess it'd I mean, be if something there... like Riverdale. And I refuse to watch Riverdale. Okay, but we can ask Adriana because she knows. She watches. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, thank God. It's just yeah. so many episodes. I couldn't do it. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a good idea. Just to have that yeah. sense of like, what is it like now? Yeah okay okay cool um do we have any final comments that we have to get off our chest the do you need to yell at me again for hating on kurt quite so much no i think we were it's okay i understand that i side with blaine in all things no and i understand that i tend to side with kurt in all things so we we balance that way no i feel like like i said i felt like just watching it again and, and thinking about it in a little bit more rational way, <laughs> being less out. I just remember seeing this live and being outraged that they would do this to Clay. And I was like, this is stupid. Yes. This is unnecessary. They didn't have to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, the going to New York tension is not going to go away. And it, no. could, it should have been introduced a little bit earlier. But yeah, clearly Blaine has been thinking about this. So Right. 
Mm-hmm. And it's been on the table for a while, but like whoever wrote the earlier episodes of season three just did nothing besides I'm a junior and then they left it at that. So mm. <laughs> back, back of season writers are having to do a lot of work. The heavy lifting. Yeah. So are the actors. Yep. Mm-hmm. Trying to make it sound like this has been happening all along. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Fools. <laughs> Fools. Um, um, I do have yes. a favorite line, though. Oh, please. By, by far, it's when in the lead up to it's not right, but it's okay. And Blaine's like, this is for anyone who's ever been cheated on. It's <laughs> like, I did not cheat on you. And Brittany says, cheaters have the fastest land speed of any living animal. <laughs> It's oh. so good. Her delivery I'm, is spot I'm on. Co-sign. Yeah, I'm just co-signing that one. It is, it's so good. Yes. It's definitely um this one is definitely not my favorite, but it sticks with me the most is just Miss Chandler. Oh, no. It doesn't it doesn't I don't like it. It just it sticks mm-hmm. and it hurts. Uh also Starsky well, and like Gay Hunt. Oh. <laughs> Starsky. I love Starsky and Gay Hudge. That was great. Yep. Oh, Bert. Um, Bert, we hardly knew ye, and that's why we love you. Congressman Hummel. President Congressman Hummel. <laughs> that's so, my president. That's my wife. <laughs> uh, cool. So I don't remember what the next episode is but oh i do it's choke it's the niata auditions Uh, i was gleefully telling my wife about what happens and then i'm sad about what happens after that i was just like the rest of this season is bullshit yeah it is that's right fantastic but hey kurt's niata audition is amazing can't wait to watch that that's true there is that okay Oh yes, I remember. I remember this episode now. This one's trouble. Yeah. Trouble. This one is trouble. Okay, great. Well, thank you for sticking with us on our clean extravaganza. Um, you are free to tell us if you are on Kurt's side, or Blaine's side, or Sebastian's, um, <laughs> or if you would just like us to be quiet about Clayne. <laughs> No, we probably won't, but you can tell us. (laughs) Don't give them that option. We will appreciate your feedback. Yes, Yes. we will. We will take that feedback and put it in the freezer Um, (laughs) with our dignity. Um, Awesome. So thank you for listening. And you've been listening to Glee on the Rocks, a podcast by OTR Productions. A huge thank you to our sound editor, Adriana, and our podcasts who secretly run the show. For more episodes, download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Podchaser, and more at Glee on the Rocks. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash Glee on the Rocks. Subscribers get ad-free episodes, exclusive mini-episodes, deep diving into the fandom, salty opinions, and so much more. So until next time, that's what you miss on Glee.